You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Stacy. We are proud to present to you Emmy-nominated and history-making powerhouse Stephanie Robinson, who is the executive producer and writer of the FX hit series Atlanta. The third season finale just wrapped this past week, and everybody is talking about it. No other show on TV is doing the thing that Atlanta does, which gives doses of humor, surrealism, horror, hip-hop, and just is a genre-blending guide to so many starting points of the conversation of racial identity in America. We are so excited to have Stephanie come on the show. So if you are a fan of Atlanta, then sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with executive producer and writer of the FX hit series Atlanta, Stephanie Robinson. Good. How are you? It's so nice to meet you, Susie. It is so wonderful to meet you. Um, is just Stephanie, Stefani? Do you have preference? Stephanie. Stephanie. Excellent. Yep, yeah, that's the one. Spelled <laughs> kind of funky, but it's good it's times. Just Stephanie. Very nineties. Yeah. Very like no <laughs> exactly. doubt. Kind of fun. <laughs> I'll take it, dude. No doubt is my shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, um, I am so excited to talk with you today. My name is Stacy, of course. I'm with Black Girl Nerds. And um, one of the reasons that you're such kind of an inspiration is that your catalog is so varied. Um, it, it usually ends up that with uh, writers of color, they kind of get boxed and they kind of get pigeonholed and so tell me about kind of your start in Hollywood and when you were able to kind of start calling your own shots that's a good question I don't know if I can still call I call my own shots yet I don't know (laughs) but I um I started uh I went to film school I went to Emerson College and uh I, I was in the screenwriting program there um I've always, I've always loved writing. It was just one of those things that I was good at, I think was the, and I enjoyed it, but I mean, like everything else, it's like, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't, I, math didn't really play science, whatever, but it was writing was something that I was good at, but I also feel like I got something out of it. And I love television, loved movies. I feel like I inhaled everything as a kid and, and more specifically comedy. Like I, I would watch Mad TV. I remember all the time. Oh, yeah. Like that was like, <laughs> it was like, I mean, Mad TV and like Deborah Wilson and Alex Borstein and like all these, you know, just really funny women um, and feeling like, oh, I didn't even know that that was a job or that was something that I could do. Um, so I do sort of early on, I feel like the more that 
I, I watched it, it was something that I wanted to do and then I was also in theaters which I feel like a lot of people are when they're when they're sort of involved in entertainment somehow started out in theater <laughs> in some respect it was just sort of you know it, it was uh, yeah an incubation bubble I feel like for a lot of creative people in whatever way you ended up being creative the theater program but um I went to school for screenwriting and I graduated and then I was an assistant at a talent agency out here in LA for about a year and a half before I staffed on Atlanta. So I had written a pilot. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a Fairly pilot. Recent. <laughs> recent All things yeah, considered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and they, yeah, it was my I manager I had at the time had sent the um, the pilot that I wrote. It was the original pilot about like a ghost living in Boston, like a 20, she was like a 20 something year old ghost. Um, and they sent it to FX just for like a general, like, hey, there's, you know, here's this writer. And it was at the same time that they were staffing for Atlanta. And it just sort of was one of those perfect opportunities where, you know, I grew up in Georgia a little bit outside of Atlanta. So I, I was understanding of the world in that environment, but also, you know, for many other reasons, you know, was very excited to, to potentially meet everyone on the show. And I, yeah, I remember I was like, I was an assistant and I was, I would sneak out like during my lunch break to go have meetings with Donald and the other producers to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to basically do these interviews. And I got the job. So it was the first show that I staffed on. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's sort of been rolling, rolling ever since, but I'm incredibly lucky and it was such a, an amazing experience and I still pinch myself. It was, it was crazy. Still is now, crazy. Yeah. Was Atlanta before what we do in the shadows? Yeah. So Atlanta was before what we do in the shadows. Atlanta was the first show that I was ever on. Um, and then I did a show, I did a very goofy show, very funny, very good. I love this show called Man Seeking Woman, which yes. is also on FX. And um <laughs> And then another season of Atlanta. And then, yeah, I, I did I did what we do in the shadows after, I think, about season two of Atlanta. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. The Geeked podcast is your weekly energy boost of the world's fandoms and stories you love. Hosted by Princess Weeks, author, YouTuber, and connoisseur of all things Sailor Moon and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Tessa Netting, actress, musical theater nerd, and lover of all fictional villains. Each week, they will break down the top stories in the land of geekdom and then take a deep dive into the lore of Netflix worlds bigger than our own. Worlds like Stranger Things, The Umbrella Academy, The Witcher, and many more. You'll also get to hear some of your favorite actors and creatives talk about fun behind-the-scenes tidbits and, of course, what they are geeking out about. This podcast is a must-listen for anyone who is checking out Twitter threads and fan wikis, dying to theorize and talk about that new show they are obsessed with. Interviews include actor Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things 4, Emmy Raver Lampman, who plays Allison Hargreaves in The Umbrella Academy, podcast host and cultural critic Rose Damu, and many more. Interviews include breakout stars from Stranger Things and Umbrella Academy, as well as cultural critics and professional geeks you know and love. Episode 1 releases on Thursday, May 26, 2022. New episodes of The Geeked Podcast come out weekly, 
Follow The Geeked Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow at Netflix Geeked on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You know, I got to say, it's funny because Atlanta, that's a big show for a first show. And yeah. it, it's, it's still kind of indie in a way. The people who know about it know about it, but the people who know about it love it and they go mm-hmm. hard for it. And it really does have this kind of cachet behind it. So that's amazing that you were able to kind of get that opportunity, but not only get it, but run with it and kind of fill out your resume in this way. That's different, frankly. You know, you don't think, oh, yeah. the, you know, Black female screenwriter or uh, television writer is now going to go work on what we do in the shadow <laughs> yeah how did yeah, that transition no, I know exactly. mm-hmm. well in the transition it's, yeah it was just natural to me like I was such a huge fan of the movie what we do in the shadows and I love Taika mm-hmm. Jermaine and the stuff that they had worked on before and it was just it just to me it was just like well yes I'm so passionate about this and luckily enough Paul Sims who runs what we do in the shadows and who I make the show with we he was on Atlanta as well. Not so I knew him, but he, I mean, he brought me in and it was just like, it was a dream job. Like it was like, I, you know, loved vampires and, you know, <laughs> I, I loved sort of like, the, exactly. Like I, I, like I inhaled all of that stuff. And it was just such a world that I, I felt like I knew very well, but not only knew, but was just excited about. So for me, it was pure passion. Like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily strategic or where do I go next? And I think to your point about like, you know, is this a typical show for like a, a young black writer to, to jump onto? I don't know, but like, I, maybe not, but it was but you just, did it. <laughs> I did it. Cause it was, it was just, yeah, it was me. It was just like, it was like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm excited about. And so in that way, it was just sort of a no brainer. And that, that, that stuff is, those moves I guess are extremely important to me that I feel like I'm doing something because I'm excited about the material because I feel like then the material is better um but also to, to your point too of just like being sort of pigeonholed into the to one thing I think that's very real that's been extremely real in my experience that like some of the things that I'm submitted for or things that are submitted to me I cannot tell you how many of them are like first black blank to do this here's a movie about first black and there's and there's nothing wrong with those stories and I actually love those stories and I encourage those stories but it just almost seems like sometimes because of who I am (laughs) yeah exactly it's like I could yeah exactly right it's like I want to do a comedy about vampires I don't necessarily want to unpack racism every day of my life like in in my work and that's okay and I I feel like I, I hope so many so many black writers know that they can do whatever they want in that way and i that's not to denigrate all those other works that that are specifically black and have a black point of view and, and i do those things as well but i think it's just more about the intentionality of it and less the like oh yeah you're black so you'll be happy to just do this like you'll be happy to only write about this specific thing and i, I think that our experience is so big and much more varied than that that i think it's important to do stuff that makes you artistically happy on top of you know on all the other stuff yeah one thing is that you know we had that stint from like 2012 to now where it was just black trauma porn is what Mm -hmm. they kind of called it and that thing where it's like 
Yeah, we have hard days and life can be hard, but sometimes we have coming of age stories and sometimes we have rom-cons and sometimes, you know, Black people were just like you. So I I love seeing more of those stories kind of expressed. I completely, I completely agree. I completely agree. And there, I mean, there's, I, you're preaching to the choir. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> well, speaking of, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll come back to mm. this a little later, but uh, a vampire faves in your episode for the finale for Atlanta, we got a fun little yes. cameo. Very, what can I you know. tell us about that cameo? <laughs> you're talking about Eric from mm. True Blood, I assume. Oh, of course. <laughs> as, I, of course. as I will Mr. only Northman himself the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is in my episode. It's just so cool. I'm such a huge fan for, I mean, obvious reasons. I'm a huge True Blood fan. So it, for the, the little <laughs> dorky, nerdy me inside, I'm just like, yes, this is so cool. But um, yeah, he's great, isn't he? He's so funny. Like, I feel like he just completely embraced that role and really filled up the comedy in ways well, that maybe I didn't, you know. Yeah. Had you written him into the script as like, oh, I hope he does it? Or was it something that was suggested later? I think it was one of those things where we knew we either wanted him or like his type, like someone that like, you know, deep down, it was always like, well, yeah, if someone like if Alexander Skarsberg could do it, that would be incredible. And I, I know that there were you know, probably a few names that were discussed and I wasn't so involved with that. But well, I will give credit to Donald. He did approach Alexander and was like, yeah, he'll do it. <laughs> And yeah, I was ecstatic. Like he's, oh God, he's so good. You see the Northman? Yes. Oh man, dude. (laughs) He's just unbelievable. So good inside and out. I actually had a chance to go to the premiere and he came outside and I was like, that was wild. You are so good. He was like, well, thank you so much. I was like, oh, oh." it's just so nice. And he said he has that kind of presence, but I love that he was so on board because the script for that episode in particular is so interesting you know I um when I was watching I said okay I know I need to be able to watch this episode so let me watch the first couple of episodes I'll skip to the last Mm -hmm. and then when Mm -hmm. I have time I'll kind of go back and move forward and the difference between the establishing episode to the finale especially in terms (laughs) of van (laughs) is absolutely (laughs) wild and I said only this show can pull off that kind of quirk is that something that kind of speaks to you that kind of alternative humor yeah I would say so I I would say so and, and, and I would I, and I think it's just a matter of taste, you know, too. I think it's just the things that I'm attracted to. And I think the other writers are attracted to, like, I don't think it's necessarily sometimes something that is like this mandate that like, you know, we have to do something quirky. We have, we have to push the right. limits in this way. I think it's just, you're dealing with a very interesting group of <laughs> writers and we're trying to make sense, not only of ourselves and our own taste, but then you were watching us trying to figure it out, obviously in a season or as Donald kind of refers to them as like albums, like they are just like, it's us trying, you know, to work through all of that. But um, I would say, yeah, I, I, I'm into that type of quirk. I feel like, why not? I feel like, you know, life is interesting enough and it's naturalistic in that way. And I, I feel like if you have an opportunity to make something visual and you're lucky enough to do so, why not make it, why not make it quirky, I guess a little bit. I don't know. Well, you've also worked on Fargo, which is known for having this kind of underlying, very dark 
very kind of like dry humor. Um, when you think about the different writing assignments that you've been on, which one would you say is the most you? Oh, that's a good question. That it's a it's a really good question. I feel like they're all me. That's a, that's then that is the honest answer. Like they mm-hmm. are all me. I feel like, and I've been so lucky with the career that I've had that I've been to I've been able to express those different parts of me. But that I mean that is the honest truth. And I think that um, yeah. Oh man, it's like yeah, it's like picking your favorite child almost like they're all they're all different in some ways and some are stronger in ways that others aren't so strong and some are weaker in ways that you know others aren't so weak and it's um they I I love them for all their faults all everything I've worked on and they're all just so specific but I can yeah I can look at them in these situations and I can it's it's so easy for me to tap into that thing or they will all sort of exist or coexist in my mind and for for different reasons but um yeah that's a great question. Well, to kind of take it a step further, you know, being a writer in Hollywood, especially when you were kind of in a writer's room, a lot of times you're signed episodes and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you're going to write this one. And it might not be something that, you know, necessarily speaks to you, but it is part of kind of the overall arc. Was mm-hmm. there any episode in, within any of your projects that you were particularly proud of or that meant a lot to you personally? That's a great question. I feel like this episode, this finale episode did because I feel like it touched on, I mean, that sort of more emotional part of this finale at the ending sort of touched on the mental health, the Van's mental health. And I feel like she was going through a really real thing that a lot of people feel, you know, a lot of people go through, especially women and especially Black women. And to be able to have that conversation with two Black women in Europe, I I don't know, there's something about it that felt very like, have you know, have we seen this before? I don't know. But um, it it just felt like I was proud of that moment. I was proud of Zazie and I was proud of her performance and and really making it feel like it was real and, um, and also taking care of that character. She's so good at that. But I also, I mean, Barbershop episode of Atlanta, speaking of episodes like <laughs> that you're assigned and that you have to make sense of, that was one of those episodes, season two, that was not one that I thought I did a very good job with when I wrote it. I, I thought I, I did my best. <laughs> I think, you know, this is, you know, it, it was it was it took a lot of work for me I remember as I was writing it for me to wrap my head around it and, and try to make sense of it just me as a writer and mm-hmm. um to be able to see the entire thing in, in its totality it's one of my favorite episodes just even as a fan of the show and and something I love I uh, love so much but I've, all of them are babies I love Jackie Daytona um mm-hmm. from what we do in the shadows that's another one that I love, but yeah, it's so yeah. fun. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <time. laughs> so um, I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about your upcoming project. Now I'm going to either do the yes. very French version or the very American <laughs> one, but see there's Chevalier or oh, Chevalier. <laughs> Which way are we going? <laughs> Chevalier. Let's do there that. We Chevalier. Go. We'll get enough of that at some point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about um, what kind of drew you to the project every I feel like everything drew me to the project this is something I've been wanting to make since I was a teenager I oh, when wow. I first read about him yes yeah, so this is very near and dear to my heart this historical figure he's just 
amazing. And I feel like the movie only scratches the surface about how amazing this guy is and how intricate his life is and how incredible he is. And I recommend that, you know, everybody read about this guy, whatever. But he he just has such an incredible life as a Black man living in, you know, the late 1700s in the context in which he was living in, you know, right. in, in in and out of Versailles, a fencing, cha- uh, fencing champion, um, like truly a virtuoso and selling out concerts and very passionate, spoke a lot of languages. Like, I mean, he was just sort of like this Renaissance man that we don't really know so much about. Um, and he just felt cool. Like I remember when I was a kid, I was like, this guy just like feels like, I don't know, like Prince or something. And I like, mm-hmm. there, there was like this energy about him that I thought it just felt very visceral. And, um, and his story obviously is just so incredible. So those were the things that, I mean, attracted me to it, but also just translating that visually was something that I felt like I really wanted to try to crack. And then Stephen Williams obviously directed it. And it's, you know, I feel like a little bit different than maybe the other things that I've written. Right. Um, I feel like it's a little less quirky, maybe <laughs> I'm a little bit more grounded, but it is like a, a period piece and more dramatic in that way. But um, yeah, well, it, it was such a blast. Right. It's wild because the idiosyncrasy of it is that, you know, when I first read it, it was like, oh, the black Mozart. And I was like, wasn't Mozart already black? And I was like, wait, no, that was Beethoven. And I was like, who is Chevalier? I had never heard of him before. And yeah. it caused me to go and kind of look him up. And I think that mm-hmm. with this film, you're going to be introducing a lot of people to yep. this figure that I wouldn't say that they were necessarily forgotten, but definitely not as highlighted as they should. Be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you're exactly right. Like, I think that the, the instinct in this narrative too is like, he's been lost to history. It's like, well, no, he hasn't been lost to history. Like there actually is, we do know about him and it's, maybe not all of his work has survived, which is unfortunate mm-hmm. for many reasons, but he sort of is there. So to your point about like highlighting this person, that's exactly it. It's like, we have information on this man and his incredible life and it's just not something that anyone knows about really or has heard of and and it's it's upsetting in some ways but also exciting in others that we're able to at least as you said introduce uh introduce people who wouldn't have known about this amazing man to this guy shine that spotlight on him you know it's so interesting there's you know a little saying that's like um if you want to be it you have to see it And Mm -hmm. I know just growing up, being a screenwriter, being anything in entertainment was not an option. It was just like, you know, you're, you can't make your way in. Why would you do that? You're not going to make any money, you know, just on and on. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so even something as small as being, you know, oh, a black woman who is in this field, kind of making her own way and making her own name. And then even a virtuoso who, you know, was the the Renaissance man of his yeah. day that inspires so many people to do that thing that they didn't realize they had access to. That's exactly right, and it's it's as simple as that. Like it's, and that was a, I think the reason that I was maybe probably searching for someone like him. Like for instance, my mom and I like we watched. We love period pieces. Like we watched his ability together. Like uh, you know, like uh, we just sort of like inhale that kind of thing. And it was something that I loved—the costumes, like the feel. Like it was just sort of one of those those pleasures that we had. And um, I remember I was just laughing, and I was—I must have been a teenager. And she was just like, "We just never saw. You don't see 
anybody with our complexion. You don't see right. you don't see anybody really. You just see Bridgerton. Sort of... <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It, it's exactly right. But that's why I think Bridgerton is so special. But like at the time, you know, the 2000s, 90s, whatever it is, it's like you just you're watching these beautiful, gorgeous, sweeping period pieces and you just don't see yourself. And so like I like and I'm sure you felt the same way sometimes when you have such an attachment to like movies or projects and and you don't see yourself in them and you can't imagine them or you can't imagine yourself but you can't like it, it's just sort of this weird push and pull in your body like where it's like I love this thing so much but there clearly isn't really a place for me in this thing what does that mean right. um and I think that was one of the mo- or it was I know for a fact it was one of the more motivating things that my mom got me a few books about just you know black figures in during these times because we did exist and we were there and right. everyone was there it wasn't it, not even just speaking about black people like the history <laughs> was for everybody like you know what I mean <laughs> we were all in it it's so funny when you think about the myth of you know, Black people springing from the forehead of Athena in 1975. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, one day we just popped on the scene and it was like, yep. hello, we're here. And it's like, yeah. no, we're And then everywhere. maybe before then, yeah, maybe even before then we were all slaves. That was just, right. like, that was exactly. like, it seems to be like, oh yeah, no, slavery no, no. in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not in sens- sensibility times, you're a slave, and then, you know, then you're a pimp. Like right. that's the, <laughs> and then you graduate, you evolve to pimp. Um, oh but but yeah, but I mean, we were there, and we were, and that's I guess like the exciting thing about someone like um, Joseph Ballone and Chevalier. He is just you know had such a special life and so amazing, special by anybody's standards, not just right. specifically racial. So um, that's uh, yeah, it, it's such an exciting person. He's such an exciting person, and um, I'm excited for more people to to at least become more familiar with them. Well, I am excited for people to see it. I'm excited for people to really be able to um, not only enjoy the finale for ATL, but to go back and re-enjoy those episodes. That's kind of my thing before a finale comes on, I'll go and re-watch the entire season just to really get into it. (laughs) And this season was so special. There was so much wildness, (laughs) but in that wonderful Atlanta way. And so, yeah, Yeah. I'm... (laughs) so excited thank you so much thank Stephanie you. for taking time to oh, talk Stacey, thank us. you so much and thank you for all your incredible questions this was such a treat and I hope I get asked back oh definitely definitely it was a pleasure <laughs> and yeah we will find a way right. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll write something t- spectacular and then we're going to be begging you to come back <laughs> I'll be back no begging necessary thank you all so right. much thank you have a great rest of your day have a good weekend bye The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.